All right. I, I, I'd like to kind of give you, as we kind of get into the word this morning, a little bit of a roadmap for the next couple of weeks. Um, because, again, this is one of those, um, what I like to call kind of a mini-series. Um, it's going to be a two-week series that we're going to share. And just, again, so you know, um, I'm going to be here this week, obviously, and next week we'll finish out our series next week. And, and my family and I will be gone on the 20th. Uh, I've asked Randy to come and to speak for me that Sunday, so he's going to do a great job. Um, and then we'll start a brand new series starting at the end of, of August on the 27th. And so this next couple of weeks, it's very important that you're here or online just because this is a short one. And I want you to really get this because this is kind of one of those that, again, as I kind of mentioned earlier, uh, not that every message isn't for me, but, but this is kind of one of those that the Lord really kind of spoke to my heart and said, Aaron, this is something that you really need to work on. And so when, when God does that, a lot of times, not every time, but a lot of times God is also kind of speaking that to all of us. And it is really something that's been kind of on my heart, I would say for the last, uh, I would say last year. And, and I've kind of like, God, when is this going to be right? When is this going to happen? When, you know, and just kind of said, wait and wait and wait. And then finally, I felt like God said, now's the time. And so I believe that the timing is what God wants. I believe that it's important that we understand that especially as, as for some of us, we're getting ready to go back into kind of the groove and back into school and back into the uh, uh, kind of a more of a routine. Summer is really close to being over. Um, and this will really kind of, at least in my house and in my world, really take us up to that time where school begins and things really begin to kind of get back into that, that, that kind of feel and rhythm. The title of our, our kind of mini-series over the next couple of weeks is, is called Sabbath Amnesia. Sabbath amnesia. And we're going to start by looking at a story in 2 Kings. I don't remember exactly when, but a couple, maybe a year or two years ago, I, I taught a series on King Hosiah and, and really enjoyed that. But we're going to kind of talk about him for just a minute to kind of lay the groundwork kind of for this series and, and kind of as we kind of jump into it. And, and, and basically, King Josiah was, was a king that when he became king, I want to give you a little context, he was eight years old. He was a young king, and he came in to, to, to be the king, and he was 31, he, he reigned for about 31 years as he was in that, and, and, and he really was a good king. He really brought forth a lot of reform and change uh, in the country and in Israel and, and all these sort of things, and he really desired to, to follow the Lord. A lot of times when you look in kings or, or, or whatever, you'll see, you know, and, and he followed the Lord as his father David, or he didn't follow the Lord. Josiah was, was a king who really did his best to hear God's voice and to hear and to do what he, God has asked him to do. So he started young and he started to kind of begin to change some things. And one of the things he really began to do, and we're going to be in 2 Kings this morning, uh, 2 Kings 22, if you want to kind of turn there, won't go up there on the screen quite yet, but that's where we're going to be. He, he decided that, that at that time when he became king, uh, the temple had really kind of fallen into disrepair. It really had a lot of issues and problems. It was honestly more of a museum at this point in time in their history, more than basically a place of worship and sacrifice, even though those things were still going on. But it was just different. The country as a whole had really turned away from God and kind of started doing their own thing.
king. And because King Josiah wanted to follow the Lord, he calls basically some people, some guys, and he says, listen, I want you to go into the temple. I want you to find the money and, and collect some money, and we want, we want to hire some carpenters and some mason people, and we want to fix the place up. We want it to look nice again and, and basically get it back to the way it's supposed to be. And so he asked them to do that. That really kind of is where we kind of pick up our story here in 2 Kings 22, and we're going to go there just a minute after I pray. Father, we love you, and we do thank you for this time. And God, we pray that as, as we share these things God, as, as you've placed this on my heart, God, I pray that it would just fall on good soil. Father, I pray that you would open our hearts to what you are trying to communicate to us and that you would help us to see that your way is always better than our way. You're good and we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so 2 Kings 22, we kind of have given a little bit of of kind of background and context for our verses. So, so we're going to open it up. Like I said, if you have your Bibles or on your app or whatever you got, 2 Kings 22, verse number 8, this is what it says. And Hilkiah the high priest said to Shaphan the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hikeah, uh, Hikeah gave the book to Shephan and he read it. Now, now here's the deal. Okay, here's what's happened. As they have gone out and as they're cleaning and getting things all put together, they find the book of the law. They find the Torah. They find the, basically the first five books of the Old Testament. And basically they begin to read it. Now what's interesting here, it has to be lost before it can be found. So they have lost God's word. Completely lost it. And as they're going around, they're cleaning, they're doing kind of spring cleaning basically, they find it. The high priest finds it and basically says, and, and brings it to the secretary. He says, listen, I found this. I found the book of the law. And so the secretary begins to read it, begins to look at it and see all these things. Well, let's continue on with the story. We're going to kind of jump over verse number 9 and go to verse number 10. And we're going to look here again. So verse number 10 says this. Then Shephan, the secretary, told the king. Hilkiah the priest has given me a book, and Shephet read it before the king. Now, this is the book of the law. This is, this is the Torah. When the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his clothes. Now, let's remember, this king is one that wants to follow God. He wants to do what God's asked him to do. He's, he's working on making the temple look nice and all those sort of things. But when he hears the book of the law... He tears his clothes. That is, that is an a outward expression of grief and hurt. And just, just, it's just a way to basically like an anguish moment. He's heard the book of the law. We don't know exactly, but probably when you look at the context and how this story goes, this was probably the very first time. King of Israel, God's chosen people, God's word, had basically been lost and forgotten. And when he hears these things, he begins to pull apart. He begins in anguish, like, what have we done? Why have we messed this up? How could we have gone so far away that we've basically forgotten? We've forgotten what God's word says. It was like the people of God had forgotten God's word, and they had because most of them had never heard it. It was forgotten. It was missed. It had been lost. 
They were just trying to do life on their own instead of allowing God's word to be something that challenged them and helped them and guided them. We know in the Psalms where God's word is a light into our feet and a light into our path. They didn't have it. They had forgotten it. They were trying to do life their way. And it had really gotten them into trouble. Really gotten them into a place as a nation and as individuals that they really were missing out on what God had for them. So let's continue the story here in 2 Kings. So after this has all happened, let's turn to 2 Kings, starting with verse number 23. After the king has heard this and he's ripped his clothes, basically, if this will make sense, basically King Josiah says, all right, everybody, family meeting. Okay, you ever have family meetings growing up? Okay, family meeting time. But he's the king, so he calls basically everybody together. So let's look at this. 2 Kings 23, starting with verse number 1. We'll go to verse number 3. Then the king sent... And all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem were gathered to him. And the king went up to the house of the Lord, and with him all the men of Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and the priests and the prophets, all the people, both great and small. And he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant that had been found in the house of the Lord. Verse number three. And the king stood by the pillar and made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all his heart and all his soul to perform the words of this covenant that were written in the book and all of the people joined in the covenant. So this happens, this amazing moment takes place. He's called everybody together. And they've basically said, now listen, now we've understood something. Now we understand what this book says, and now we're going to allow it to change who we are, how we act, how we handle these things. You see, a lot of times we'll have people, and and maybe sometimes you're this way, maybe sometimes I'm this way, where we'll hear God's word, we'll know what God's word says, but it doesn't change us. It just becomes something that we hear. It's just something that kind of comes in one ear and out the other. And sometimes we have this idea of almost amnesia because we have forgotten what God's word says. Because it's not even enough to know it if we don't allow it to change us and act upon it. The king and the people in this moment, when they began to hear God's word, they said, listen, we need to make some changes in our hearts and in our lives. Because at that time... The culture in which they lived had changed them. You see, here's the thing we need to understand about culture. Culture is all around us. Culture will always be, to an extent, all around us. But God has called you and me to be people that shift the culture and not to allow culture to shift us. Unfortunately, in our lives and in our churches and in our world, we have failed to do that. We have thought to become culturally relevant, we have to change us or change God's word to fit into the culture. And that is not what God has ever asked us to do because his word can change culture. His word can change lives. But when we think that we have to change God's word to fit into the culture, we're in the wrong every single time. Every single time. You see, God doesn't look at us and say, boy, you know, it sure would be great 
You know, this whole thing that I wrote out through, through people over the centuries that is perfect and flawless and is, is awesome in every way. You know, it worked for about, you know, you know five, 6,000 years. It was pretty good. But you know what? The world today is just so bad. Now we've got to change it. No. No. This word still is true. And we need to understand that we need to be the ones who walk into culture and change things. But to do that, we really have to see what culture is at in this area. So as we kind of get into this, we're going to look at our culture's bad idea. Our culture's bad idea, especially when it comes to this idea of rest and Sabbath. Because here's what we're kind of told. We're kind of told that, you know what, you, you have to work harder. You have to do this. You got to do that. You can't stop. You know, you got you to you work more so you can earn more, so that you can buy more. And here's what's interesting. And here's the thing. I, I told you this earlier. I, I've done this so many times in my own life. I've done this here in that foyer and in this room where you will come up to me and you'll say something like this. Hey, Aaron, how you doing? How is your week? And you know what I say? Busy. I'm busy. Now, here's what's funny. You didn't ask me that. You didn't ask what I did this week. You said, how am I doing? And my response, oh, I'm just so busy. I'm just so busy. And, and, and I know maybe you've done that too. And we tend to kind of wear busyness as kind of a badge of honor. It's like, look at me. I'm busy. I'm, and, and usually, unfortunately, at least in my life, I'm going to speak a lot for me today. Maybe you'll, you'll find this very similar in yours. But for me, it's like busyness is like a badge of honor. And it's almost like an identity. It's almost like it brings value to me. It's like if I'm busy, it means I'm in important to somebody and I begin to find myself as I, putting value in my heart and my life by how busy I am by listen by what I do do you realize one of the major enemies of grace is actually works now listen faith without works is dead but we're not saved by what we do and when in our lives, no matter what it is, when we begin to put value in our hearts and our lives by what we do, we're getting very close to a very slippery slope to allow that to also transform us in our spiritual walk. God loves me because I'm a pastor. God loves me because this happened or that happened or I do this or I do that. Or God, I, I did my devotions every day for a whole week. God must really want to listen to me now. Instead of understanding that grace isn't about what you've done. And so in this, the enemy, I believe, has begun to change us. In a way that says, you know what? If you're busy, you're valuable. If you're valuable, you're valuable. And that makes you special and greater than other people or other things. And when you're not busy, well, then you must not be needed the same way. And that becomes something that fuels us and something that moves us. Not just in a life of, of work and a life of just normalcy, but also in our spiritual lives. Where we begin to say, you know what? I must be pretty special to God. Because I've done this or I've done that. And the opposite of that coin is the same. If we aren't doing those things, we feel sometimes very 
like God really doesn't care, God doesn't know us, or God doesn't concern with who we are. It's dangerous. And we're going to get into that a little bit more. But here's the thing. Our culture is telling us that a, that a life that is full of hurry, frenzy, stress, and chaos is the right way to live. That's what it says. That's what we've been taught. That's what we've been told. And listen, I, I, I almost did, and I was just like, I'm just not going to bore you. But trust me, in my office, I have plenty of stats that show that Americans are absolutely insane when it comes to the work that we do and the time that we spend. Crazy. And our lives, listen, if you didn't know this, you need to. Our American culture is the most stressed out, over-medicated, crazy, frenzied society in history. We are losing something because we have become so busy and so stressed. We want the kids to do this. We want to do that. We, it, it's, it's, listen, I mean this as much as I can say it, as loving as I can say it. This is getting nuts. And here's the thing. I do not believe this is the way God has called us to live. And here's the, you know what I mean? And look, look, I know as we share these things, there's probably going to be a lot of us, and, and I, me too, who are going to have one of these reactions. You ready? <sighs> Listen, I, this message in this series isn't about you going, <sighs> and then going back. It's called spiritual amnesia because I believe we've forgotten some things. And I believe God, in his loving kindness, wants to remind us of some things. Just like we see in 2 Kings, they had forgotten. Okay? And I believe God wants to remind us. Because here's the thing. Jesus, we see this in Matthew 16. Look what it says. Matthew 16, 26. It says, and what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul, is anything worth more than your soul? When you go back to the original Greek, that word soul really is the understanding of self in a lot of ways. It was like Jesus was basically saying here, what do you gain if you, if you gain the whole world and lose yourself? And I think God is wanting us to see a few things. But before we continue, I really need to have, not that this isn't clear before, but I, I need to have a little bit of a come to Jesus meeting. Have you heard that term before? You know, it's like I'm gonna have a, I, my, my kid has been bad, I need to have a come to Jesus meeting. Okay, you can use that, it's free, you can use that. But I have to confess a couple things to you. Um, I have broken in this last week, and actually pretty much for quite a while now, I've broken one of the Ten Commandments. And I just want to admit that to you, that I, I have not, not done well when it comes to the Ten Commandments in my life. Now, you know, I'm sure, you know, I know what you're thinking. You know, okay, what you do? You know, what you do? What you break? Well, well here's the deal. If, if I had broken the Seventh Commandment, if I had broken that, well, um, then quite honestly, I, I would be fired immediately. 
uh, and I would not be your pastor anymore. And in fact, some of you would, would probably look at me like I was an absolute crazy person because if I had broken the seventh commandment, um, I would have committed adultery. And I think everyone is very, very clear and understands completely that other than Jesus, the best thing in my life is my wife. And so that would have been crazy. So, so th thankfully, no seventh commandment. No seventh commandment. Now, um, now if, I, if I broke the sixth, sixth commandment, um, to be honest with you, if I broke the sixth commandment, I probably wouldn't be here either. Uh, I'd probably be in jail and probably on your evening news because the sixth commandment is murder. So I have good news, even though there's some bad news. I did not break the sixth commandment, okay? Um, you know, because there's, there's one thing that a pastor never wants to do, and that is be on the evening news, especially leading the whole thing, you know. That's not good. So, so thankfully, I did not break that commandment either. Um, the commandment I broke was the fourth one. The fourth one that says to honor the Sabbath by keeping it holy. I've broken that commandment. Now, here's the deal. You go, okay, that's kind of funny and kind of weird and, you know, you know whatever. You made your point. But, but, but let's be honest. What do you think of when I tell you that? Some of you are thinking of lunch, and I understand. Others of you go, you, you literally think something like this. I promise you, there's been people, there's people that are thinking this right now. Our pastor works so hard. He loves us so much. He works so hard. But yet at the same time, although I do try to work as hard as I can, and I do love you, I've still broken God's law. You see, the Ten Commandments are there for a reason. And although the Jewish people added 600 and some to those, the Ten were good enough. And each one is important. Each one shows us how to live our lives. But for some of us, we have lived our lives in such a way as Christians that has said, you know what? Nine is enough. That tenth one, or that fourth one, you know, just, just a suggestion. It wasn't. Here's the thing that I've asked myself over and over and over, and we're going to see this, and it's in your notes. Why do we think that we can get away with breaking God's law and there will not be consequences? Can you see all of the consequences in our world and in our churches and in our homes and in our communities and in, in, in our culture? We have thought, you know what, I know better. I don't need the law. I don't need these things that God has put in our hearts and our lives as guardrails for us to keep us where we need to be. I can do it on my own. I can do it my way, and I can handle these things. And the truth is, look at our world, look at our lives. The answer is, we can't. We have forgotten that there is something so important about this commandment that we thought we could just discard because it wasn't that important. We're going to look at it this morning. Exodus 20, verse number 8 through 11. We're going to read through it, and then we're going to break it down together. Exodus 20, 8 through 11. It says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shall you labor and do all of your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. 
On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is with you within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Let's break down the fourth commandment together. Let's look at what God is really communicating to us in these basically 8, 10, and 11. The first thing we're going to look at is the concept of remember. You realize that this commandment is the only commandment that starts with the word remember. It doesn't say remember not to murder. It doesn't say remember to, to not use the Lord's name in vain. But yet we see this concept of remember. Why? Because I think God knew in his ultimate wisdom and understanding that most of us would forget. We have Sabbath amnesia. So he says, remember, remember. This morning we took communion. Why? To remember. Remember what Jesus did. And we need to also remember that God has set this out for a reason and a purpose. Number two, the second part of verse eight, to keep it holy. Keep it holy. It's interesting here that you need to understand that, that, that in this concept, you, do, you don't and have not made the Sabbath holy. God did. God did. We don't make the Sabbath holy. We are to keep it that way. God made it holy. God set it apart. God put this rhythm in our hearts and in our lives. Next week, we're going to really dive into that rhythm that God has created all the way back in Genesis, all the way back in creation. But our job is to keep it holy because God made it holy. He set it apart. He had it set apart for a purpose and a reason. Number three, the next part, we still labor. Is this a message about not working? Absolutely not. Nope. Should you work? Yes. Should you work hard? Yes. We're going to look at that in a minute. Working is a part of who we are. In fact, work can actually be worship because we do it unto the Lord. Did you realize that? Look at Colossians 3, 23 and 24. This is what it says, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Jesus. Notice that in the verse here, we see this concept. Six days, you're going to work. Six days, you're going to work and you should be working hard. But we have forgotten that there's a day in there where literally God says, you do nothing. You rest. You take that day and you rest. Now, some of us, you know, it's, it, we don't have the problem with the rest. We have the problem with the work. But most of us, let's be honest, we're so busy, we're so frenzied, we're so crazy and chaos in our lives that really we don't even know what rest is. We don't even know what it is. Can, can, I, can I tell you what, what it's not? Just so we understand, okay? It's not just sitting there 
and saying, if my phone doesn't ring or a text or a notification doesn't come through for five minutes, that's rest. That's not it. There's something deeper. We'll get more into it next week. But there's, there's more than that. So yes, we work hard. Yes, we do our best. Why? Because we're doing it unto the Lord. It's worship unto Him. But at the same time, we need to learn to rest. But God still labored, and He's calling us to do the same. The final thing, it is God's example to us. We see that in verse 11, where basically God says, listen, hey, for, for, for six days, I did these things. I created. I did all the, all the things you see, basically, all the earth and everything in it. I did it, but on the seventh day, I rested. I rested. I love um, this translation. It's called God's Words Translation. I love the translation that you see here in Exodus 20, 11. And I want to read it to you because I think it's very powerful when you see this thing because it kind of helps us understand a little bit deeper what is happening here. It says, but in six days, the Lord made heaven and earth and the sea among with everything in them. Listen, he didn't work on the seventh day. That's why the Lord blessed the day. Here it is. He stopped his work and set this day apart as holy. God stopped. Do you? Because I know in my own life there are times, there are seasons where I don't stop. I go and I go and I go and I go and I go. And then I get upset, and then I get frustrated, and I get mad at you, and I get mad at myself, and I, I get grumpy, and all these things happen. Why? Because I just won't stop. If God has to stop, you need to stop. But yet we think we don't need to. Again, we have to understand that God created a rhythm to life in which stopping is a very important part. Very important part. Um, I've told this story before. I've told some people before. Um, and, and, and honestly, as I've gone through it and as I've even dissected it, and I think it's been uh, nine years ago now, um, you know, nine, 19 years ago, um, I traveled to Ireland before, before I even brought the kids, you know, I, most of you know, one of the things we did, we took a, a big mission trip to Ireland one summer and, and, tried, and brought a bunch of ki kids over the Atlantic Ocean and, and, and you know, that's why I'm going to die young. Anyway, um, but before we went, they invited me to come alone, okay? And, and, and again, in case you were wondering how awesome my wife is, uh, I did that as, as she had a two-month-year-old at home. Grace is a wonderful thing, okay? So I went, and, and I couldn't put my finger on it, but something was different. It was, it was just different. And I'd never been out of the country like that before, you know, where it wasn't like a, a honeymoon or vacation or something like that, you know, but, but I was just there to kind of just be just to meet people and kind of get the feel of the lay of the land so that when I brought these teenagers over, I would lose any of them, basically. And we went to a, a conference, and it was really, really cool, and it was just different, and I couldn't put my finger on it. And, and honestly, in the last six months, I've just begun to, to kind of be able to, to, to kind of figure out what it was. 
their rhythm was different. Their rhythm was different. Here, here's, here's the thing. If you know anything about music, which I know very little, you have beats, and you have a 4-4 four, four time, 3-4 time, 2-2, two, two, whatever, 6-8, whatever. And, and here is their rhythm. So, why don't you come over? What do we do? I'll put the kettle on. We'll have some tea. Some coffee. We'll just be. You sure? Yeah. What do we do? Maybe just that. Okay. Here's our rhythm. Time to go. Time to get this cool. Now, this is annoying, isn't it? You know what else it is? Exhausting. You know what's interesting? Is when I look at God's rhythm, there is definitely this rhythm that we see in Genesis, and we see this, and yet God created. He spoke, and the world came. He said, let there be light. And there was light, and it was good. And then we get to the seventh day, and this literally stops. It stops. There is a rhythm, and we have thought that we can survive by making our own rhythm when the Father is the one who created the rhythm. He is the one who has said, live this way. Work hard six days. You know, because here's the thing. Anytime you talk about Sabbath, you know, people will sit there and say, well, you don't understand. I have to work hard. We're, we're in this financial situation. That and, and listen, I'm not saying you shouldn't work hard. You ought to. But if you think, if I think, I can get away with ignoring God's laws without there being consequences, we're just flat out wrong. So as we kind of close this morning, let's look at four reasons why we should practice Sabbath. Four reasons that we need to look at these ideas of stopping. Because again, if the Lord stopped, we need to stop too. Number one, there is rest in stopping. It's pretty obvious, isn't it? There is rest in stopping. But listen, I want to ask you a question. What does your rest really look like? Okay? What does your rest really look like? Because for some of us, we think rest is something where I just won't go into work this morning. Or, or, or I'll, I'll do something a little bit different. Rest is different. Rest is different for different people. But there needs to be that idea of I just need to rest. My body needs to heal and my body needs to rest. It's interesting. Uh, you know, the reason that I'll be gone in, in a couple weeks is I got my race that time. And you know what's interesting? As much as I need to train and get ready for that race, there, there, I basically have a watch. And it basically says, okay, you need to do this much this day and this much that day and this amount of miles this day. And this. You know what's interesting is that watch tells me something crazy to do. It's like I got a long way to ride. I got a lot of, I got to get my body ready. You know what the watch says? Rest. 
Some of you have an Apple Watch. I don't have an Apple Watch. It tells you things like, sit down. Breathe. How bad are we as a society at resting that we have to have devices that are already basically distracting us from our world tell us to breathe? There's rest. Listen, this is a great quote. Don't underestimate the value of doing nothing. The philosopher that said that, you ready? Winnie the Pooh. Amazing, isn't it? I grew up watching Winnie the Pooh. One of the first stories, if not the, no, it was the first story that I read to my son when he was just a couple days old. Guess what? Winnie the Pooh. Some of us have forgotten the wisdom of Winnie the Pooh. Don't underestimate the value of doing nothing. But I'm going to be honest with you. If I told you, listen, I, I promise you this. If I said, listen, I got $1,000 in my pocket. I don't. This is just for fun. It's not real, okay? And I said, you have to do nothing for three hours. I don't think most of you could do it. Like, no phone, no business, just be. Isn't it interesting that God's word says, be still and know that I'm God. Could you forth just Three hours, be still. Because listen, it doesn't say be still and pray. It says be still. Just be silent. Just enjoy doing nothing. Can you do it? Because I'll be honest with you, I don't think I could. It takes a lot for us to just rest. Number two. There is trust in stopping. You know why a lot of us don't stop? Let's be honest. Because we don't trust the Lord's going to take care of us the way he promised us he would. So I have to do it. I have to take care of it. I, listen, if I don't do this, then this will happen. And we're not really trusting God. Because here's the deal. As you look at the Old Testament especially, you see this idea of Sabbath, not just for the people, but you see Sabbath for the animals. You actually see Sabbath for the land, which is so important to see. You actually see God say, listen, this land, you got to give it a Sabbath. You know what's interesting? I love it. This happens all the time where people have finally realized that, you know, that God's smart and gone, hey, it's probably a good idea not to plant on the same land over and 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 over again. It's probably a good idea to let the land rest. And he says that in his word. But you know what? If they're not using that land, they may not, quote unquote, have enough food. Will God take care of them? Listen, when you learn to stop, in a lot of ways you're saying, God, I trust you that you'll take care of everything you promised that you would. When I say, God, I will trust your word, because here's the deal, when you stop, you're going against the culture and against the world. You are, because the world says you gotta go, you gotta work, you gotta move on. But when you say, God, I trust that if I obey you, that you will do your part and you will take care of all my needs that I have. But for some of us, we don't stop because quite honestly, we do not trust. 
And God says, I want you to trust me. Number three, there's humility in stopping. Some of us don't stop because quite honestly, we think that no one can do the job like we can. I do it the best. I can do it. Listen, you know, it's like we, we just, I have to do, if it's, how many times have you heard this? If it's going to be done right, you might as well do it yourself. And there's no humility there. There's this idea that, that in some ways what we're doing is so valuable that if it some, we, somehow we stopped, the whole thing would just collapse. Listen, I don't know about you, but if this will help you, when you leave this place, you're going to go out those doors more than likely. If you go out those, fine, you're going to eventually get around to them. There's these things way out there in the distance. They're called mountains. They're beautiful. God made those. And he rested. Has anyone in their work life done anything similar to creating the Rocky Mountains? I'm not trying to be mean. But if God could rest, we can rest. We have to understand that. And the final thing, there is worship in stopping. Do you realize that? When you stop you're actually worshiping because you are putting God's word and God's desires and God's plan and God's heart above your own. You're saying, I don't know best, God, you do. Listen, in rest, God is honored when we follow his commands and do things his way. He's honored in that. What is worship? It's honor. Some of you, you, say, I, 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 you know, you're, you may be a really great worshiper when the songs are going, but you're a horrible worshiper when it actually comes to just honoring God by doing what God has asked you to do. And look, I get it. I, I, me too. Me too. But the bottom line is, is if we practice these things, not only are they going to transform our lives in a physical way, but also in a spiritual way. I mean, how many of us couldn't say, you know what, I need to trust God a little bit more. I need to have a little bit more humility. I need to worship him a little bit more. I need to understand the concept of stopping and rest a little bit more. Because here's what I found. The times where God has spoken to me the most clearly, the times where he has spoken to me in the more powerful ways was not the times where I was busy running around like a chicken with my head cut off. It's when I stopped and I silenced myself and silenced my life and said, Father, right now, I don't need anything. I don't want anything. I don't want any distractions. I just want to be silent and still in your presence. Some of us have this situation or circumstances in our lives where we're going, God, why won't you speak to me? God, why won't you lead me? God, why won't you do this? Why won't you do that? And it's simple. God could scream it from the heavens and you wouldn't hear it because you're too busy with everything else. He wants us to stop. He's commanded us to stop. Because there are things that he does in our hearts and our lives when we do so. We're going to close with this. Just to kind of try to drive this home just a little bit more. In Jesus' ministry, he was, he was confronted a lot of times by Pharisees and teachers of the law. And 
And, and although we know this portion of Scripture, this is kind of one of those stories where basically they come to Jesus and they said, man, what's, what's the greatest commandment? Like, what's the most important thing? In Matthew 22, 37 through 40, Jesus responds to that. And he says, love the Lord your God, listen, with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest, first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. As the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Now, now verse 40 here is pretty important. Okay, because we, we, we see that, and you, maybe you've seen these, you know, kind of bumper sticker Christianity stuff. Love God, love people. Yes, that's true, that's good. You know, nothing wrong with it, okay? Love God, love people. But verse 40 is very powerful. Verse 40 tells us that the law, the Torah, the things that we've forgotten, or the things that Josiah had forgotten, the Ten Commandments, all those things, and the prophets, everything the prophets said, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel... Amos, name them all. He says basically, like, I've always gotten this picture in my head. Like, maybe this will help you. Like, like there's a sign. You ever seen just a sign with a rope? You know? And it's like God took a peg. And he said, this one right here, this, and he kind of nailed it in. And then he hung that on there. And he said, the law, the prophets, the word, everything just hangs on this idea of loving God with everything and loving people as ourselves. Okay? So this is major. This is important. This is that peg. You take that peg out, the sign falls. Get it? This is important. The law, the prophets, everything. But listen, if we are constantly exhausted, frenzied, and stressed out, how can we possibly love God and others and love them well? How? How? How can we love God and others and love them well when we have forgotten one of the major things that we need to accomplish it? We could talk about Mary and Martha. We could talk about busyness and, and just quietly sitting before the Lord. But the thing is, at least for me, and I think for the majority of us, we have forgotten the Sabbath. We have forgotten the importance of it. And for many of us, we are living lives that have been totally and completely affected because of it. And look, I get it. Life is hard. And sometimes life is busy. I get it. It's hard. I got this responsibility. I have that responsibility. I, I get all those things. But, but I just bring to you this morning a simple understanding. And that is, if God says we need to rest, we need to rest. I don't always know how it works in individual lives. I've found that at times I do really well in this, and other times I'm absolutely horrible at it. I don't know where you're at. All I know is that if we think that we can ignore this law and have it not affect us and not change us and not have us live the life that God really wants, we're wrong. As we started this morning, we talked about them finding the book of the law. We see that concept of 
forgetfulness and forgotten or even ignorance. And then at the same time in 23, we see this concept of change. We see this concept of now that I know, I have to make some changes. Here, here, here's, here's something I would say just to start. Because if some of us, you know, if, if, I, if I say, okay, well, just, just start giving it a whole day, you know, that, yeah, let's start with baby steps, okay? Maybe what we need to do is most all of us, if not all of us, have some type of a phone. That's probably good and bad. But I know that at least every phone I've pretty much seen, even the ones that are the flip phones, have a calendar in it. Maybe once a week, Schedule an hour, just an hour, and do nothing. Just do nothing. And I mean literally unplug it all. You know, somebody says, hey, you want to go have lunch? Nope, can't. I'm booked. What are you doing? Nothing. An hour. Do an hour a week. And when I believe God begins to change your heart and your life and your family and your, your marriage and the relationship with your kids and the relationship with your boss and the relationship with your employees and all those sort of things, I believe that God is going to want to continue to help you grow in this area so it's going to be more. But listen, start here. Just an hour. You know, and listen, and listen, hear me here. I'm, this, is, this is not devotion time. Okay? The idea of Sabbath when you look at it, is not the idea of I'm going to necessarily go spend time with God, even though that happens, because God's always with us. But a lot of it is just resting. And obviously we want to rest in the Lord's arms. But what I'm trying to say is, is, is it's not necessarily, let's get our Bibles out and study right now. That's something different. God just wants you to be still with him. And if God, listen, if God chooses to break that up by speaking, oh, well, no problem. That's God's thing. But for some of us, we can't rest because we think when we're resting, we got to have on worship music. And there's nothing wrong with worship music. But listen, I know most of us, and you put on some worship music, and we're not resting. We're singing. We're, we're trying to make sure we're singing the right notes. And, oh, is that the words? Or that the, what, what are those words mean? Just rest. Just rest. I know it's foreign. I know it's hard. But God is very clear on this. To rest in his presence. And to let yourself have a Sabbath. And then you know what? When that time's up, go to work. Work under the Lord. Work hard. But when it's time to rest, rest. Let the rhythm that God has created and placed in you be the rhythm of your life because God knows what's best. Father, we come to you right now and, and God, it's weird because when we look at your commandments, yeah, there's some that make complete total sense. Like, yes, we should have no other gods before you. Yes, coveting is bad. We shouldn't lie. We shouldn't steal. We, we, shouldn't, we shouldn't murder. We, yeah, that, we get it. And God, in the middle of the most important guardrails that have ever been communicated to human beings, you said you need to rest. And God, for some of us, we have chosen not to. But God, you have called us to follow you and follow your word. 
And God, I know at times when, when something like this is brought up that, I mean, it's strange, but it's like, God, this is one of those messages that, that a lot of people will, will literally just throw up their hands to and say, no, I'm not going to listen to that. Aaron, you don't understand my life. And I get that. But God, I pray that even in this moment, you would help us all realize that we are not exempt, no matter how our lives are, to disobey your word. It's not easy. I get it. But God, you can help us to rest. You rested, and you've given us an example to follow. And God, I pray that you would help us to do so. You're so good. Thank you, God. Thank you that you have commanded us to stop and just be. We know and we believe that your way is better than ours. Now help us to follow it. And God, just speak to us. God, whatever in our lives is there to, that you want to do, God, you're individual God and you can speak individually to us. But God, even if it's just an hour once a week, just to start, God, let it be something that we make a priority in our hearts and our lives. Because we know that when we honor you and honor your word, blessings come, good things come, because that's what you have for your children. So we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Next week, we'll kind of put a bow on this, this series. Um, but, but listen, I, I really want to get this across, and I know I've gone a little bit long, and I'm sorry, but I know life is busy, okay? I live in this world too. But we've got to hear God's word, and we've got to obey it. And I believe that when we do that, then number one, God will help us to do it. And number two, we will see the benefits that God has for us when we obey his word. And I believe we'll see it in our work relationships, in our home relationships, kids, marriages. I really believe that God, as we're getting ready to kind of restart life again to an extent in the fall, that if we can do this and start this, I believe that we are going to see in our church and in our families and our community a change like we have never seen before. I really believe that. You go, Aaron, well, this is, this is not one of those real spiritual things. No, this is very spiritual because it's obeying God's commands. And when we do, good things happen. And I'm excited and I'm looking forward to those things and sharing those things with you. Okay? Awesome. Listen. If you don't have lunch plans, we'd love to have you join us for lunch. We're heading out to Jason's Deli. It's right over here uh, near the mall on Flatirons. Remember as well, the sign-up sheet for community groups, really important. We'd love to have as many people that can or are available to be in a group, to just spend time together and, and learn some stuff together. It's been a really great time over the last several years that we've done them. If you have that opportunity, please sign up. Please do it. We'll see you at lunch. Have a great week.